are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome back for this week's final episode of Locked On Saints, brought to you by Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, your host covering your favorite team in New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. And because it is Friday, it's our Facebook Friday edition of the show. So we're going to hit all of your questions from the Locked On Saints Facebook group. But first, a couple of big pieces of news from New Orleans. First, Saints head coach Sean Payton has tested positive for the coronavirus. I'll tell you how it went down, how he found out, and how his recovery is going. And then the Saints have exercised the fifth-year options on both cornerback Marshawn Lattimore and right tackle Ryan Ramchek. We'll talk about Payton, Lattimore, and Ramchek to start off the show. And then we'll get straight to your questions, including some shuffles in the secondary, how Tom Brady affects the Bucks, and how many primetime games the Saints are going to end up playing in 2020. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. The NFL's first coronavirus case happens to hit home for a lot of Saints fans, and the Saints make a couple of key moves for their future. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. So we'll start off with Coach Payton here. Yesterday, we learned that he got his test results back, and he has indeed tested positive for the coronavirus. He said he was starting to feel ill on Sunday, ended up getting a test on Monday, and then got the results back yesterday afternoon, and has just essentially been in isolation ever since he started feeling sick in the first place. So he's actually doing pretty well. He said that he's not experiencing any symptoms such as fever or cough, which is something that can really only be said for about 20% of coronavirus cases. So Sean Payton ended up with maybe, I guess you could say the best of the worst case scenario, but he's been at home already isolated for a few days. He's only got now four days of isolation remaining. He posted on Twitter saying thank you for the well wishes, smiling. He's got a cute dog too, but it was good to see that his spirits were up that he was touched by all of the well wishes that were going around. Now, the news actually broke through Adam Schefter of ESPN, and then ESPN quickly published a story about it as well, doing a little bit of an interview with Coach Payton. And he explained that the reason why he wanted to come forward was because he wanted to go ahead and do what he could to stress the importance of all of the mandates and protocols that are being put in place, all of the warnings coming in from government officials that this should be taken seriously. So he wanted to make sure that he had an opportunity to sort of say, like, look, this can affect anyone. All of those of you who are saying that, oh, I don't know anybody that does that has coronavirus. Does anybody know anybody that personally has coronavirus? You do now. That's the way that Coach Fayton is sort of going after it here. So he's done a really good job of just making sure that he's using this as an opportunity to sort of be the face of let's take care of this while we can. And he's been very positive about it. He's very positive and optimistic about his own recovery as well. He should be considering he's only four days away from his self-isolation being done and he should be on his way to a full recovery. And he's also been pretty optimistic about the fact that like, look, with information, we can beat this. So uh, Coach Payton, essentially making the best of a bad situation. Here he is being the first person in the NFL to be positively identified as someone with coronavirus and he's using it as an opportunity to send a message and help people do the right thing. Now, the NFL has responded to this. Roger Goodell did put out a statement and Goodell put out a good statement, essentially saying that first and foremost, the the recovery of Coach Payton is what's most important, but basically letting everybody know nothing's changing here. Free agency is still moving forward. They had to know, and Goodell does reference 
referenced this in his statement, that eventually someone within the NFL family was going to get the coronavirus. So for people that have been concerned that this is going to somehow derail free agency, it doesn't look like it at this time. But first and foremost, above all and anything, free agency can be damned. We wish Sean Payton the absolute best and a full and speedy recovery. Now on to more positive news. The Saints have exercised the fifth-year option on both Marshawn Lattimore and right tackle Ryan Ramchek. So now these are the first two players drafted in the 2017 NFL Draft to have their options exercised by New Orleans. And of course, it makes perfect sense that they would do this. Ryan Ramchek, Marshawn Lattimore have been absolute studs and stars at their position. Ryan Ramchek playing at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore playing at an All-Rookie level when he came in. He was the Defensive Rookie of the Year, and he's been a Pro Bowler as well. And so this is kind of a no-brainer for the Saints in terms of keeping both of these guys on their fifth-year option. Now, remember, the fifth-year option is now not just guaranteed for injury, but fully guaranteed. So when we learn what that number is, that amount is going to be guaranteed to both Lattimore and Ramchick on their fifth year in the 2021 season. So it doesn't affect anything with their salary cap or how much they're getting paid in 2020, just guarantees them a lump sum for 2021 as they were both first rounders, which is why the first round is so important because it gives you that fifth year of team control so you can get them on a contract that's Probably less than the APY of an extended contract, but still certainly a chunk of change. Just looking back at the price tags for fifth-year options for those that were taken in 2015 drafts, this would be two years old information by the time that these new options roll around. $9 million for a cornerback drafted between picks 11 and 32. So that's good because that drop-off begins right at pick 11 where Marshawn Lattimore was selected. If he was drafted in the first round in 2015, then his cap hit would have been over $12 million. So you can expect that to be even higher, probably looking at somewhere in the 10, 11 million dollar range by the time that these roll around, which is okay because the salary cap has raised significantly since 2015. And then for offensive line drafted after outside of the top 10, 9.6 million dollars. So you can expect that to be up around the same price range. So still, that's better than what you're going to get these guys once you renegotiate their contracts because Marsha Lattimore is pushing for somewhere in the 16, 17 million dollar range per year, especially with Byron Jones and Darius Slay both getting 16 and a half or more. So expect these guys to both get their extensions in the offseason to follow, not this not this offseason, but the 2020-2021 offseason. That way, the extension money itself won't kick in until after Drew Brees is basically clear of the books for New Orleans. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to get to your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. If you want to participate in that next week and get your questions in, just join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. We got a bunch of questions to get to, some shuffles in the secondary. We got some draft talk, some more free agency talk some next year's schedule talk. So we'll get to all of that here in just a moment on Locked on Saints, your team every day. If you've been a listener of this podcast, and I'm sure that you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but what you may not know is that Locked On Saints is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Saints fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, and not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. So if your company wants to connect with Saints fans from a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's get your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses and it's easy. Just text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, just text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. 
All right, Houdat Nation, we are ready to get started with some of your questions here from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. But real quick, don't forget, once you're done with this podcast, if you want to catch up on everything going on around the draft, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NFL Draft. Ben, Trevor, they're going to take care of everything you need to know heading into the NFL Draft. So let's jump into your questions here from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. I'm going to knock one out a little early because something's already happened in terms of news with this. Uh, But Brian Abel asks, what are my thoughts on signing Todd Gurley? and trading Latavius Murray. So Todd Gurley, by this time, by the time that not by the time that he asked the question, he asked the question 10 hours ago, but by the time that I was available to start recording and answer this question, Todd Gurley has already signed a one-year, I believe, $5 million contract with the Atlanta Falcons. And as far as I'm concerned, they can have him because I would absolutely have hated if the Saints would have signed Todd Gurley and traded away Latavius Murray. Um, I, I don't have any trust in Todd Gurley. This is a guy that has supposed to quote-unquote rebound for two years in a row now and has fallen flat on his face and hasn't been able to do it. He's dealing with some terrible, terrible knee injuries. And who knows exactly what it is that's actually going to happen. I think he's going to be about as available and effective as Devontae Freeman was. I look at it as a lateral move going from Devontae Freeman to today's Todd Gurley. If they were going to the 2015 Todd Gurley, 2016 Todd Gurley, then sure, 100%, I'd be all about signing Todd Gurley and trading with Latavius Murray. And I'd be nervous that the Falcons got him. But at this point, I'm not nervous at all that he's over there. And I'm grateful to not see him on the New Orleans Saints team. And again, I do nothing but wish him the best because I hope that he's able to bounce back from his injury, but I don't want to sit around and wait while the championship window is closing in New Orleans for that to maybe happen, if that makes a sense. That's just, if that makes sense. That's just simply not a dice roll that I'm willing uh, to take. All right, so Junior Bianchi comes in with, now that Teddy is gone, is it likely that this is Drew's final year? Uh, should the Saints start thinking about a replacement, like picking someone high in the draft or invest in Taysom Hill as the franchise future quarterback. So yes, as I've said many times, I believe that this is the final year for Drew. Uh, Come to find out, actually only $25 million of his contract is guaranteed, if I understood correctly what Nick Underhill was saying yesterday. So that would mean that this is essentially a one-year deal for Breeze and the Saints. So with that being the case, this feels like this is very much the end of the road for Drew Breeze at this point, regardless of how this season works out. He allegedly told everyone that he was retiring at the Pro Bowl and then essentially changed his mind after being able to give it some thought. So I just think that once you've gone to that threshold, that the next season is probably your last year. So for me, this is the last year for Drew Brees. And it seems like the Saints are willing to invest in Taysom Hill as the future franchise quarterback. I think we'll have a little bit more clarity in terms of what it is that they intend to do in the draft, depending on how they go through free agency at the quarterback position. Do they select a vet to back up Drew Brees? Matt Moore is still available. I was really looking forward to guys like Sean Mannion, uh, who is somebody that has been a backup to Kirk Cousins over the last few years and knows that backup role very well. But Matt Moore has done it for some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL as well. So looking for the Saints to potentially bring in a vet. But we'll see. If they don't, then maybe they are looking to target a quarterback in the draft. I don't know how high or how late, but we'll see exactly what it is that happens uh, there. Colin Bellew comes through, one of the Section 600 fam. Thank you very much for your question here, man. Uh, Can the Saints... Uh, can you see the Saints adding another piece to the running back committee, even though it's not pressing? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that they will, and they have a lot of options and a lot of different ways to do it. They could go to free agency guys like Deion Lewis, who are used to being in a committee, are available, but they could also just bring back Dwayne Washington, or they can draft a running back in the draft as they so often do. We've seen them go 
year after year drafting uh, drafting running backs. Now, of course, you know Alvin Kamara, but Marcus Murphy as well. Uh, Daniel Lasco was drafted. Boston Scott was drafted. So you know you see them do this time and time again. So it wouldn't surprise me to or really shock me to see them go for another running back in the draft this year. Uh, what quarterback would you like to be brought in as the third quarterback? Well, I mentioned Matt Moore, so I kind of answered that one. So that's good. Uh, Colin also asked, what do you see happening at the cornerback position opposite Marshawn Lattimore? Uh, I think you keep Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, I think you keep him. I mean, you've been able to create cap space without touching his deal, which is fine. $11.25 million is a lot of money, but it's also kind of mid-tier for uh, cornerback contracts. So it's not terrible in terms of what they're paying him, but he's certainly somebody that can go to and restructure, renegotiate if they need some extra money at some point in free agency. But the fact of the matter is that Janoris Jenkins doesn't need to be re-signed. Janoris Jenkins doesn't need to be convinced to be in New Orleans. He's under contract. He's a New Orleans Saint. So there's nothing necessarily to really change the that. So I think Janoris Jenkins is your guy opposite Marshawn Lattimore. And in Colin's final question, are there uh, moves you see happening at linebacker? Yeah, I definitely see them drafting a linebacker if they still don't grab somebody like a Kamali uh, Korea or somebody like that, that can be a little bit of an edge rusher, but that can also be a, a three down guy if you need him for off ball purposes. So yeah, I could see them adding to depth, but I think you have your starters right now in Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, and then Kiko Alonso at the Sam. So I think that they're pretty comfortable with where they are, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them add more depth because you're going to have guys like Caden Ellis and Chase Hansen coming back, but how healthy are they going to be? How available are they going to be? Craig Robertson still on the roster at for the moment. So they have a little bit of depth, but I wouldn't mind seeing them go after it just a touch more to sort of ensure themselves in case of injury. Uh, Joseph Zapata asks, what are your super early predictions on how many primetime games the Saints will have in 2020? Ooh, I love this question. All right, so looking at the schedule here, uh, I could definitely see one of the Saints-Bucks games, probably the one at Tampa Bay being a primetime game. So I would say that's definitely one. Brady versus Breeze, probably the one if they're smart enough later on in the season being a protected game just in case. I can definitely see that being one. Uh, if the Saints and Falcons continue the Thanksgiving Day tradition, then I could see that being a primetime game, so I'll give that two. I can definitely see the Saints and Raiders game being a primetime game as well in the new stadium, all that good stuff. So that could be three, assuming that the stadium is, is ready to be open with all these with all this craziness going on. And then uh, I would probably say the Saints 49ers game. That was such a good game last year. It was the best game of the season last year. I could see them probably giving that a nod. And then maybe one of the NFC North opponents, whether it be the Vikings or the Packers or the Bears maybe, but I'm not too sure about that. They had three primetime games last year. So I'll say four this year will be my prediction for 2020. So, all right, I'm going to answer one more quick question. Go back to Brian Abel. How was your opening music chosen? So we have a pool of music that we were able to choose here on the uh, Locked On, and I chose this one because I love hip-hop. So that's one that I went with. The old original one was one that was a beat that a friend of mine had made that he sent to me that I've been that had been using for like 300 something episodes and so it was cool to be able to kind of make a shift and then pick something a little different but still keep it in the world of uh, of hip hop so I love being able to have that so all right we'll jump to our next questions here in just a moment got more questions coming up talking about the NFC South talking about some potential shakeups in the secondary and I'm going to get four names four free agent names i'm going to tell you who i think are more likely or least likely to be signed got that coming up for you here on locked on saints your team every day 
All right, family, let's wrap up our questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. Y'all came with a lot of questions. This is super exciting. All right, so let's see. I'm going to probably go rapid fire through some of these and then go a little bit more in depth with others. But next time I go to uh, James, is it Tademy or Tatami? I'm not Tatami, probably. James Tatami, I'm going to say. Let me know if that's wrong. Sorry. Um, young tight end or free agent. I say young tight end that has a little bit of run blocking potential. Um, not a lot of those in the draft, unfortunately, but that's the way that I go with it. But the Saints are definitely interested in a third tight end as they were in on Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis, a very good run blocker with, you know, pretty good catch rate, 85% catch rate last year on only 20 passes thrown to him, though, in one touchdown. So not a huge pass catcher, but a pretty good uh, pass and run blocker. So maybe that's what they're looking for, for some 12 personnel sets that don't involve Taysom Hill. All right, let's go next to Norberto. He asks, how do you think that this offseason has been for the Saints in general? To me, it's been surprising. I think surprising is a good way to say it. Nobody expected Sean Payton to get coronavirus, so that feels a little surprising. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, this feels pretty par for the course with what New Orleans has done. They focus on their guys. I talked about this so many times on the podcast, too, is that they go after their guys and securing their in-house free agents first. Their MO is continuity. And so are they going to be able to maintain that and maintaining the team, maintaining the players around is one of the things that allows them and has allowed them over the last three years to be so consistently successful. Again, 37 wins over the last three seasons. That's more than any other team in the NFL, despite being in the middle of the road in free agency spending. And here I am talking about continuity. So I'm going to go to the next question here from Brandon Biggs, who asked, how much will continuity matter for the Saints, given the possibility of no OTAs when half the division has a new signal caller and Carolina has a new head coach? That's a great question. And I think that continuity is really, really important for the Saints. And this is one of the reasons why they've buckled down and continue to do what they've done. Even the new guy that they brought in used to be a Saint. Like this has been what they've been after this entire offseason is maintaining exactly that cohesion, continuity, rhythm, familiarity. And that's what the Saints are doing right now. And I think that it's a good way to go about it. I think that they'll add some new players that, you know, aren't those guys that have been on the team before or that weren't in-house free agents. They'll certainly do that. But it'll be interesting to see where they pick and choose those spots. That's one of the things I'm most interested in, which actually kind of answers your second question about how much more continuity can be afforded in free agency. I think it'll be interesting to see where they pick and choose that. And then where can superior ability take a roster spot from continuity on the squad? Uh, wide receiver. That's exactly where it could happen. Wide receiver and left guard. Those are the two places where that can happen. I can answer that question straight up. Uh, Joseph Zapata comes in from likely to unlikely who will the Saints sign next? Deion Lewis, Brashad Perryman, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron. So I put Eric Ebron at the bottom of the list. I don't think they're going to pay that much for a third uh, tight end. That guy's really, really good, and he deserves a larger contract. So I'll put him at the bottom. I'll put Emmanuel's. No, I'll put Deion Lewis third. Uh, I don't think you're going to spend that money on a third running back either, and he just has too much on-ball focus to force to being a depth guy. I don't think that that's really the Saints' MO there. And then I'll put Emmanuel Sanders second, though he's a close second because he's kind of who I want the Saints to sign next. And then I'll put Brashad Perryman at number one. The reason why I choose him at most as most likely is because he's a more cost-effective solution to a hole on the roster. Emmanuel Sanders is a better solution to the, whole, to the same hole on the roster, but not as cost-effective. So that's kind of the way that I'll order those. From likely to least likely, Brashad Perryman. Emmanuel Sanders, Deion Lewis, Eric Ebron. Michael Murray, do you think that the Saints still have a lock on the NFC South, or does Tom Brady make the 7-9 Bucks an 11-5 team and contender? I think so. I mean, I think that they absolutely are a contender, but I think that the Saints right now still have a little bit of a lock on the NFC South, just in terms of, again, that continuity is going to matter. And seeing, we still don't know exactly how Tom Brady looks 
in the Bruce Arian system. Andrew Bell over at Canal, Canal Street Chronicles did a fantastic breakdown of what you can expect and what could happen. But again, it kind of depends on how the two systems fit together and how Tom Brady operates as a deep passer at this point in his career. I mean, we've seen him still be able to do it, that's for certain. But you know, I think that they're definitely going to be contenders. But how does that defense hold up? There's still a lot of questions for them. For the Saints, they've shored up their secondary a bit, adding a really key piece in Malcolm Jenkins. And yes, they're going to lose Von Bell, but I think that they're okay to do that with C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the building. And they've really done what they needed to do to keep the key guys around on this team, David Onyemata, for instance. And so I think that they'll be okay. I think that their their continuity, familiarity, the stuff that we talked about before is going to help them continue to kind of have a little bit of a stranglehold on the NFC South while Drew Brees' window is still open, or fingers crossed, at least I hope so. And of course, we still don't know what these 2020 teams actually look like. There's still the free agency, there's still draft, there's still injuries that take place during uh, whatever tr- bit of you know off-season activity there is to be had. So all of those things have to be taken into account as well. Uh, does Teddy make the Panthers legit? No, not in the 2020 season, but maybe if they are you know over time as they continue to build around them. And then do we get the first half of the season Falcons in 2020 or the last half of the season Falcons? I don't know that it matters, honestly. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe I'm just being rude because it's the Falcons, but I mean, they haven't done anything to address their, their second at all and their secondary did play better last year but they also just let Desmond Trufant walk so I I don't know yet I think we still need to see exactly what they end up doing in the draft I think that's true for all these teams too we don't know still what these 2020 teams actually look like there's still more free agency to be done there's still the draft there's still the potential injuries that set in with whatever type of offseason activity we get that can you know change the complexion of a conference change the complexion of a team so I don't really know yet but that's kind of where I'm sitting right now like if the season started today yeah the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are probably the biggest threat to the NFC South and they're a fantastic contender with the guys that they're bringing in over there include you know Tom Brady included at the top of that list uh Teddy not yet makes the the Panthers a a a contender because there's still a lot of holes all around him it's basically Teddy and and Christian McCaffrey and that's kind of it for their offense and then you've got the Falcons who are the Falcons I mean they didn't really do much in terms of really moving the needle for themselves in a positive manner really I think that they've downgraded a bit I mean they downgraded in terms of tight end talent but they got a better deal and it's better in terms of the financials of it with having Hayden Hurst who's still on a a cheap deal they've got you know Todd Gurley who's on a more cost-effective deal than somebody like Devontae Freeman had they re-signed him but is he any more available or effective they lost Desmond Truffaut we don't know what they're doing at cornerback yet they should go to the draft for that probably but we'll see exactly what happens so still a lot of question marks all around the nfc south but it'll definitely be exciting and fun to watch that's for certain and then finally we'll wrap up with our final question here alvaro lopez do you think the saints move cjgj to safety in 2021 and 2022 and let marcus williams walk or do they leave chauncey gardner johnson at nickel and re-sign williams or find another free agency sorry find another free safety in free agency or the draft um i think that he plays best at nickel right now but i think if you end up not wanting to keep marcus williams around Chauncey Garner Johnson plugs right in at that free safety role he plugs right in at the strong safety role you can put him wherever you need him but in terms of what he did at florida he actually played a little bit of both so you can put him at 
Marcus Williams spot is what I'm saying. So I don't know um, because I don't I haven't seen Marcus Williams play in 2020 yet. My in- instinct is that you probably let Marcus Williams walk because you're probably going to lose guys like Marcus Williams, Alex Anzalone, and a couple of other role player guys in favor of keeping and and saving money for those extensions in the future for Marshawn Lattimore and. Uh, and Ryan Ramchek. So those those extensions won't kick in next year, but they would kick in in the 2021 season. So with that being the case, I think you're probably going to see some tough decisions be made with those younger guys. And Marcus Williams, unfortunately, is one of those guys that's on the bubble, unless he ends up having a really, really spectacular year this year and really improving himself in terms of the takeaway numbers in particular. He had a great season last season, just what didn't have the flashy big contract season. And that's hopefully what he would have for himself in 2020, because those are the safeties that get paid, not the in the not the in the box, you know, hard nose, hard hitting type safeties. It's the guys that play the deep ball and that are the ball hawking free safeties. Those are the safeties that get paid in free agency. So if he has that year, then that might be a reason to bring him back, but it could also be a reason to let him walk so that you can save that money for the extensions elsewhere. I hope that makes sense. Um, either way, the Saints have a lot of versatility in the secondary and they're going to be fine for their future. Marcus Williams involved or not, CJ Gardner-Johnson and the, in the nickel or at free safety or at strong safety, they're going to be fine. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for today's episode. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, If you're looking for more to listen to, make sure you tell your smart device to play Locked On NFL so you can get all the news going on all around the NFL. This has been a wild free agency offseason so far, so tune in and see what you can learn because there is so much going on. So as for now, that's going to do it until Monday, unless some big breaking news happens over the weekend, then I'll get you that news right away. But otherwise, I will see you at the beginning of next week as we go through our mock draft Monday. Things are going to change with some free agency in the books, so we'll see exactly how all of those teams pick ahead of the Saints and how the Saints end up responding to those in all of these simulations. Don't forget you can do your fan mock as well to be featured on mock draft monday and i might do another mock as well so we'll take a look at all of that as uh, we get closer into next week so that's going to do it for today everybody thank you so much as always for coming through once again i'm ross jackson you can find me on twitter at ross jackson n-o-l-a hit me up learn how the family's doing let me know how you're living let me know how your mom and them tell your friends family and fellow saints fans about the show and if you haven't already please take a moment to subscribe drop that five star rating and review i thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family this has been locked on saints and trust you that nation I'll holla at you.